Welcome back, True Crime Army. I am your host, Margot, and this is Military Murder, a show where I focus on crimes committed by military members and veterans. But don't worry, you don't have to know anything about the military to listen, I promise. You just have to be a true crime enthusiast. And if that's you, welcome home. Hello, 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 my loves. Okay, before we get started, I just have one announcement to make. For the months of March and April, every Wednesday, I will start going live at 8 p.m. Central on Instagram. So if you have any burning questions, drop into a live. We can chat about the episode, like that week's episode, previous episodes, or any other hopping true crime stories that y'all want to talk about. Make sure that you're following me on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast, and I will see you live in a few days. So I've been following today's case since before I pressed record on my podcast back in 2019. I know. Can you believe it? I was still active duty at the time and trying to decide if I should even start the show. And then I saw the headline in this case, missing woman found husband, Air Force reservist arrested in her murder. I was stunned and I followed the case pretty closely. And just this year, the case finally made its way into a courtroom. In writing today's episode, I wanted to present it to you the same way that the world observed the information. So I will walk you through the disappearance of Andrine McDonald, the arrest of her husband, and ultimately the shocking trial. Join me today as I tell you the tragic story of military spouse Andrine McDonald. Now, let's dig in. Andrine Nicole Anderson was born on September 23, 1989 to parents Hyacinth and Paul. Hyacinth goes by Maureen, so that's what I will call her throughout the episode. Andrine's father, Paul, was a retired member of the Jamaican Defense Force, and after his retirement, he moved to England in the 1990s. Nonetheless, Andrine grew up in Port Antonio, Jamaica, and in 2006, after excelling at her studies, she graduated from Titchfield High School. After high school, she obtained her associate's degree in business studies from Excelsior Community College in Kingston. Eventually, in 2009, Andrine married a man who was from her hometown but was living in Florida at the time. The man's name was Andre McDonald, but more on him in a little bit. Back in the United States, Andrine had no indication of slowing down. She was really into fitness, and ever the early bird, you could find Andrine at the gym at 5 a.m. She competed in weightlifting and fitness competitions, and on many occasions, she took first place. All right, let's talk a little bit about Andre. Andre McDonald was born in the late 70s in Jamaica. He had a master's in engineering, and in November of 2004, he joined the United States Air Force as a military officer. Andre was previously married, but in 2005, he and his first wife divorced. Andre and Andrine spent their initial years together in Florida, but then, a few years after they were married, Andre PCS to Joint Base San Antonio Lackland in Texas. In Texas, Andrine continued to work on herself. She enrolled at the University of Texas San Antonio to study finance, and then in 2011, Andrine was named one of the top 100 business students of the year. 
During the last year of college, Andrine and Andre welcomed their first and only daughter. Andrine suffered from preeclampsia and she gave birth to her daughter at 29 weeks pregnant. I can imagine that this was a difficult time for the couple, but they all survived and the baby girl was thriving. Months after giving birth, Andrine graduated magna cum laude with a bachelor's degree in finance. And Andrine didn't even let the ink dry on her diploma. When a month after obtaining her degree, she went to her husband with a business idea. Andre had the savings, and after Andrine came to Andre with a business plan, they created a business. Andrine opened a place called Startlight Assisted Living. Andrine would not have been able to open her new business without the financial backing of her husband, Andre. And it was a joint venture, although Andrine did run the day-to-day business of, well, the business. Andrine and Andre wanted to test the waters when they first launched the business. So they purchased a big home and renovated it. They lived in the top portion of the home and they ran the assisted living part of the business with a few rooms out of the first floor living space. After getting their feet wet, the business was booming and soon Andrine and Andre opened a second location. In total, the McDonald's owned three assisted living homes as part of the two separate locations. And by early 2019, they were working on the construction of a fourth brand new facility. Andrine loved her assisted living patients and she often visited with them and made them feel at ease. Andrine was out there making a name for herself and her alma mater wrote a quick blurb on Andrine. During her interview, Andrine contemplated on why she loved what she did by saying, quote, coming in and seeing smiles on everyone's faces, I know I'm doing something good. The fact that I can have a family member come in and commend me on the job that we do here, that their mom and dad is doing better. I like that recognition. It drives me to do better, end quote. And better she did. Andrine shared that Starlight was born from her witnessing her mother's dedication as an RN. She also said that she really loved watching her husband's family's dedication to caring for his grandmother after she had to have her leg amputated. While Andrine was out there taking names, the couple discovered that their daughter was autistic and it should be noted that she was mostly nonverbal. After this discovery, Andrine and Andre worked more diligently to provide for their daughter. So Andrine was running the business. Her mother, Maureen, was living at the home to help out with the family. And Andre was doing his damn thing in the Air Force. By 2014, seeing that the business was doing well, he and Andrine wanted to stay put in Texas. And when the threat of an impending PCS was mentioned, Andre transitioned from active duty to the reserves. In October of 2014, Andre became a cyber warfare operations officer and was assigned to the 426 Network Warfare Squadron. From the outside looking in, the McDonald family looked Instagram ready, smiles, hugs, and a good looking family. But then, in February of 2017, Andre filed for divorce, citing discord and conflict of personalities. Andre later clarified that the relationship seemed to be going well, according to him. But then when he went away for six months in 2016, Andrine began mentioning a separation. And upon his return from his TDY, the relationship was rocky. So he filed for divorce. During the three months that followed the initial divorce filing, Andre fought to keep the marital home. He also fought to put his name on the business records for the Starlight Assisted Living business. And then out of nowhere, Andre withdrew his divorce petition. That summer, 2017, police were called to the McDonald home at least twice for violence. One of Andrine's co-workers, Miss Flores, 
has admitted to being present during arguments between the couple, times when she heard glass breaking, and Andrine even gave Miss Flores a spare key to her car because Andre was known to take Andrine's car keys from her in an effort to keep her from leaving. On top of the spare key situation, Andrine also gave her loads of business and personal records and asked Miss Flores to keep them safe. When describing the McDonald relationship and the business, Ms. Flores indicated that Andrine was bubbly and friendly, always treating staff like friends and family. Andre, on the other hand, he seemed to not really care about the business and was described as distant and aloof. He made sure to treat employees like employees. Despite the McDonald family problems, you know, the quick divorce filing and then withdrawal, during the summer of 2017, the McDonald family moved to a new home. Together with Andrine's mother, they moved to a larger house in the Timberwood Park area of San Antonio. It was when they were living in this house that Andre began serving a three-year active reserve tour. So he was basically full-time active military during this period. The last Instagram that Andrine posted was on February 26, 2019. It was a picture where she wore this beautiful blush pink one-piece long pant high neck romper. I know that's a mouthful. She stood smiling with her arm around her husband, Andre. He wore white slacks, a white button down with a navy blue blazer, his smile equally as big as Andrine's. Andrine was much taller than her husband, so she towered over him in the picture. The caption read, Great night at the launch of the 2019 Man of Distinction book this would be the last post Andrine would ever make. On March 1st, 2019, 29-year-old Andrine, who was a creature of habit, well, on this day, she failed to show up to her 5 a.m. Iron Tribe fitness class. And then she failed to show up to work. One of Andrine's coworkers grew concerned around noon when she hadn't seen or heard from Andrine. This coworker then called one of Andrine's friends, a woman named Carol. When Carol heard that Andrine had not shown up to work and she wasn't answering her phone, well, Carol was like most of us and she grew extremely concerned. Carol grabbed one of her coworkers and they rushed to Andrine's house located at 1042 Solitude Cove. The women soon arrived at the house and they knocked on their front door and there was no answer. They went around to the back, they knocked again and no answer. While they were out back, they spotted a burn pit on the ground that appeared to have been recently burned. Inside the burn pit, they saw a zipper. Now, you might be envisioning a burn pit in the grass, but this particular burn pit was just kind of in the gravel sidewalk, which was odd. At this point, their friends were growing even more concerned. Initially, Carol thought that maybe Andrine needed help because she suffered from these really bad headaches, and sometimes she suffered so badly she had to lock herself in a closet, turn off the lights, and cover her head. But seeing this burned area in the backyard, was just creepy to the two women. The women tried the back door handle and it was unlocked. So they rushed inside. Andrine? Andrine? But as they called out, there was no answer. Inside the home, the friends had this eerie feeling that something wasn't right. They walked into Andrine's room and it was a mess. And there was a strong smell of bleach in the master bathroom. When they looked at the light switch, it appeared to have hair and blood on it. Carol's first thought upon seeing this was, oh my God. Andrine is dead. The friends rushed out of the house to pick up Andrine's mom, Maureen, who was working nearby. They were all a little frantic, so they started calling hospitals to check if Andrine was there. 
but nothing. They called Andre multiple times and finally he answered. They were concerned. They grilled Andre about Andrine and he said, listen, ladies, listen, listen, listen. She's probably at work. And they were like, "Mm, no, 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 no. She hasn't shown up today. And then Andre was like, "Okay, listen, she's maybe at home. The women assured him, no, Andre, she's not at home because we have already been there and we checked. And as soon as Andre heard this, the call ended. The three women now rushed to Andrine's house. And as they were pulling up, they saw Andre attempting to leave the house. He mumbled something and quickly evaded the women as he got into his car and drove off. Super suspicious, huh? And that is when, at approximately 1.22 p.m., the Bayer County Sheriff's Office got a frantic call asking for a welfare check at Andrine's house. Investigators soon arrived at the house and the friends walked the police through Andrine's house. While there, authorities collected hair and tested the blood on the light switch. Much later, much, much later, these investigative items would confirm that the hair and blood on that light switch belonged to Andrine McDonald. Well, while the investigators were at the house, who showed back up but Andre McDonald himself? Police asked Andre if he had seen his wife. Andre briefly mentioned that they got into an argument the night prior, but he was like, hey, listen, uh, she's at this local hospital. Andre didn't elaborate about the hospital situation, but police immediately called the hospital and they soon learned that Andrine was not actually at the hospital. By this point, things weren't looking too good for Andre. But there was no sign of Andrine, and that was the authorities' first goal. Find Andrine, dead or alive. The search of the home continued, and it would reveal blood on the seemingly clean bathroom floor. It would reveal blood on the bathroom door and blood in one of the couple's cars, specifically the Chevy Malibu. Also inside the home, investigators found Andrine's belongings. Her purse, her ID, her keys. The only thing missing was her passport. While the police taking the missing persons report were still at the house, one of Andrine's friends revealed a chilling comment that Andrine made. Andrine had confided in this friend that, quote, if she ever went missing, it would be because Andre McDonald killed her, end quote. In searching for Andrine, police called her family in Jamaica. Contact with Andrine's family in Jamaica was a dead end as they hadn't heard from Andrine either. A call to the FBI would reveal no one had attempted to use Andrine's passport to leave the country. That day, after the initial search of the home, Andrine's mother and her daughter stayed somewhere else. Andre, however, stayed at the house alone, located at 1042 Solitude Cove. That night, the gate at the gated community would track Andre leaving and returning to his home multiple times throughout the night. The following day, Andre ran an errand And then when he returned home, he had two Air Force visitors, two, let's call them wingmen, checking up on him. During this welfare check, one of the Air Force men noticed that Andre had several scratches on his hands. And it was just odd, you know, considering the circumstances of his missing wife. After checking on their airmen, you know, Major Andre McDonald, the men left. And then Andre called one of them back to say, hey, I accidentally backed my car into the garage door and now it's damaged. Uh, I need a repairman. It's unclear what happened next, but the following day, suspicious of prime suspect number one, you know, the erratic husband, investigators put a tail on him. And while they were surveilling him, Andre seemed flustered. He entered Nagel's gun shop to purchase a nine millimeter handgun and some ammunition. 
The thing about this purchase was that Andre left the store in such a hurry after the purchase that he actually left behind the gun and his ID, meaning he left that at the store. This interaction was caught on the store's video surveillance cameras. At this point, the investigators' spidey senses were going off. So they swooped in and took Andre into custody because they were concerned he was going to hurt himself. And immediately, they also noticed the injuries to Andre's hands. When questioned about those injuries, Andre stumbled through his answer, attempting to give a response. Investigators wanting to find Andrine, they were like, Andre, where is your wife? Have you seen her? Andre didn't say much before finally requesting an attorney. And we wouldn't hear from Andre McDonald again until much, much later. According to Sheriff Salazar, Andre did not appear the least bit interested in searching for his wife. Now, authorities were no closer to finding Andrine, but it wasn't looking promising. So they returned to the McDonald family home to look for more evidence. And when they searched this second time, they found something that wasn't there before. They found the garage door was a hot mess and they found two torn up receipts in the trash can. The items were purchased by Andre himself earlier that day at a Lowe's. And his purchase included, are you ready for this? A shovel, an axe, a hatchet, large heavy duty plastic bags, gloves, and two five-gallon gas cans. We would later learn that Andre made two purchases at Lowe's that day. One purchase he paid with cash and one purchase he put on his debit card. What in the world? Okay, investigators rushed to find these items and they found them in Andrine's car. Inside of Andrine's Porsche, they found a shovel with fresh dirt on it. They also found the axe, hatchet, gloves, and plastic bags. According to KS18 News, in a trash can, authorities also found heavy coveralls and a claw hammer with woody plant debris on it. This hammer would prove much later to have Andrine's DNA on it. During this second search, authorities found a second fire pit that was not present during their initial search just a day earlier. Investigators later determined that this fire pit was used to destroy papers and some other items. A third search of the home later revealed a man's sweater and jeans in the laundry room. Testing would confirm both Andrine and Andre's blood on this specific clothing. As investigators were trying to piece together Andrine's last day, because, you know, they were assuming she was dead, they obtained surveillance footage of Andrine and her daughter at a pizza hut on February 28th at 6.20 p.m. Now, mind you, this was the day before she was reported missing by her friends. Cell phone records would reveal that both Andre and Andrine's phone returned to the house and were there together at 9 p.m. But at 9 p.m., Andrine's phone went off the cellular network and was never turned back on. Andre's phone went off at 9 p.m., but stayed in the house and then turned back on at 6.30 a.m. on March 1st. Within 48 hours of Andrine's missing persons report, Andre McDonald was sitting in jail. On March 3rd, he was charged with tampering with evidence and he was held on a $2 million bond. On March 4th, the San Antonio community immobilized and together with investigators, they conducted searches for Andrine's body. Not knowing where else to look, they focused the search near Andrine's house. On March 7th, after discovering that Andre had entered Camp Bullis, after Andrine had been reported missing, 
a search party went out to search Camp Bullis and the surrounding area, but they found nothing. After Andrine went missing, her sometimes nonverbal six-year-old, who was autistic, began to make strange statements to family and friends. She would say things like, Daddy hurt mommy, further explaining that mommy then fell to the floor after daddy hurt her. The little girl even said, and mommy was like this, and she said this while she mimicked difficulty breathing. According to an arrest affidavit, on one occasion, the little girl was playing with a doll in the backyard. She then placed the doll in a circle of rocks, broke some small sticks, and placed them over the Barbie. The little girl then poured something on the doll and then asked people for the fire. Hi, everyone. For anyone who follows me on Instagram, I recently posted a picture of me with my kiddos at Disney in front of the Disney castle. But I posted it because my shoulders were looking on fire, defined, toned, and overall just pleasant to look at. So many of you asked me in my DMs for my secret. And of course, my secret is 4 a.m. workouts. But I get the oomph to wake up at 4 a.m. and work out from my pre-workout drink called Energy Explosion. My pre-workout powder was created by world-renowned fitness guru, Natalia Melofit. I have been following Natalia for many years now. And in fact, after my second C-section, I hired her as my fitness trainer. And she also helped me postpartum with my third C-section as well. So when she came out with a pre-workout supplement that didn't cause any of the jitters and the crashing, I knew I needed to try it. Energy Explosion helps with energy, and it keeps me going all through the morning hours. Because I take it first thing in the morning, which is when I choose to work out, I no longer require that morning cup of joe. This pre-workout has nootropic ingredients, which significantly help me personally with mental clarity and focus. Which, listen, when you're juggling what feels like hundreds of tasks a day, it truly does help. And guess what? My listeners are getting 15% off your order. What? Yes, please. If you're ready to get the pump without the jitters, visit mbodysup.com and enter my code MAMAMARGO at checkout for 15% off your order. That's M as in Mike, body, sup as in Sierra, uniform, papa, papa, dot com. Add energy explosion to your car and use my code MAMAMARGO, that's M-A-M-A-M-A-R-G-O-T, for 15% off. Enjoy, and when you use it, please DM me so we can talk about your workouts. On March 20th, still no closer to finding Andrine, Andre's bond was reduced to $300,000 for the tampering with evidence charge. But at the same time, Crime Stoppers announced a $5,000 reward for information in Andrine's case. Six days later, Andre posted bond and was released from jail. Andre was placed on house arrest and he was only allowed to go to and from work. Andre was further ordered to have no contact with his daughter. The media, by this point, was really in a frenzy with Andrine McDonald still being missing. So the Air Force, of course, I am sure they were getting tons of PA requests. They put out a statement that read in part, quote, Major McDonald is still a member of the Air Force family, and he will be treated as such and afforded the same rights as any airman. He is expected to conduct himself in a manner that is compliant with the stipulations under which he is being released, end quote. It's not surprising to learn that Andrine's daughter at this point was not doing well. She hadn't seen her mom in months and now she didn't have access to her father. 
But Andrine's daughter's counselor later spoke out about the drastic change she saw in the child. The little girl became hostile and she was just not the happy-go-lucky child she used to be. During a custody hearing, the counselor testified that on one occasion, the little girl took her Play-Doh utensils. She cut up her Play-Doh and then said, quote, I'm going to cut you up and you're going to die, end quote. In addition to these actions, the little girl would often tell other children she wanted to burn them. And this behavior would all reveal itself much, much later. During the months that everyone was looking for Andrine, many of her friends spoke out about Andre. They believed that Andre had been abusing Andrine. One coworker told News 4 San Antonio that a month before Andrine went missing, Andrine showed up to work with visible scratches on her face. The coworker asked her what happened, and Andrine simply replied, it's Andre. For close to four and a half months, no one had seen or heard from Andrine. And then, on July 11, 2019, a man removing two cow skulls from some private property stumbled upon something. The man went searching for the cow skulls, and instead, he found one cow skull and one human skull in addition to many human bones. The man found these bones roughly 20 yards from the road on the 50-acre piece of private property on the 600 block of Speck Road. When you look at a map, you realize that this is six miles from where Andre and Andrine lived, and it would have taken roughly 14 minutes to arrive at this location from 1042 Solitude Cove. There were only two ways to get onto this private property. First, you could jump the fence and walk the 15 to 20 yards, or you could walk to the gate and walk the 125 yards to this location. When investigators arrived on scene, they discovered that the human bones had been covered by cow bones and then they had been set on fire. Sheriff Salazar later made a statement that the human bones had been in this location for a while, but due to scavenger animals, he was afraid they never find the entire body. The sheriff indicated that the search parties had searched near this area previously, but likely due to this being on, you know, the other side of private property, this specific area had not been searched. Two days after the human skull was recovered, an announcement was made. Dental records confirmed the remains were those of 29-year-old Andrine McDonald. That same day, July 13th, Andre McDonald was taken back into custody and finally charged with Andrine's murder. His bond was set at $2.3 million. After the arrest, Sheriff Salazar told the media that it was clear that Andrine and Andre's daughter witnessed whatever happened to Andrine. Months later, in October, a Bear County grand jury indicted Andre on two felony charges, murder and tampering with evidence. Andrine was finally laid to rest in December of 2019 in San Antonio. The service was a celebration of life, but this was no celebration because Andrine's mother and daughter, they had no closure. By January 2020, News 4 San Antonio released an article describing how Andrine's mother and daughter were struggling emotionally and financially. The assisted living facilities run by Andrine had now been shut down. So now her mother was without employment and there was no money coming in. Andrine's mother was struggling to pay the mortgage and to keep food on the table. There were constant threats of foreclosure and eventually the mom and the daughter had to move out of the house to stay with family members. 
Of course, due to the pandemic, Andre's trial was postponed various times. But then, on March 15, 2021, Andre's bond for the murder charge was reduced from $2 million to $450,000, and his bond for the tampering charge remained at $300K. But even with the reduction, Andre couldn't afford to bond out. Then, in November of 2021, the total bond was reduced yet again. This time, it was set to $250,000. And with that reduction, Andre bonded out where he remained until his trial in early 2023. Andre's murder trial began in January of 2023, and while it was anticipated to last three weeks, it lasted a little less than two weeks. Here is a synopsis of the trial. The prosecution opened the court with describing searches on Andre's cell phone. Internet searches such as, do you always leave fingerprints? Does fire destroy fingerprints? How long does it take for an unburied body to decompose? And then the prosecutor dropped a bombshell during the opening statement. Just days before the start of the trial, Andrean's mother, Maureen, got a curious call from the defendant himself. He wanted to explain to Maureen what happened to her daughter. Excuse me, what? Yeah, now I'm listening. Andre called his mother-in-law and told her that he stomped on her daughter, left her wheezing on the bathroom floor after an argument. And then when his daughter walked in, he quickly returned the child to her room And when he returned to check on Andrine, Andrine was dead. The prosecutor didn't elaborate at this point, but more on Andre's version of events soon. The prosecutor described that by the time that Andrine went missing, her and her husband had been sleeping in separate bedrooms for about a week. Their marital troubles were financial, rooted in business disagreements, and the fact that Andrine had rekindled a relationship with someone from her past in Jamaica. Then the defense attorney, John Covery, got up and he kept his opening short and sweet. He told the jury, listen, this is not a murder case. This is a case about degree and level of responsibility of Major Andre McDonald. Yep, the defense attorney was quick to make sure everyone in the courtroom knew that Andre was a major in the United States Air Force. A major POS, if you ask me, but whatever. Everyone has their claim to fame when they serve, I guess. And so that was his. Now, mind you, before the prosecutor's opening statement, we, the public, had no idea that Andre was admitting he killed Andrine. Remember, he always maintained he had no idea what happened to his wife. But now we had the defense giving their theory of the case right now, right here, front and center. The defense said they would provide evidence that there was an accident a mutual fight that resulted in Andrine's death. The defense continued that virtually all of Andre's actions after this accidental death was purely out of panic, fear, and in an effort to dispose of a body. And then the defense said, well, listen, Andre has already started the process of taking responsibility and he's already on his journey of closure and healing. What in the hell is this man talking about right now? When I say that I was shocked hearing the opening statement from the defense's perspective, I mean it. But deep down inside, as I was watching, the attorney in me was wondering, oh my gosh, 
this is too good from a litigation perspective, but will it work? This attorney was good. He was calm. He told the jury, this case is simply not about murder. This case is about an accident. This is a book that is still unfolding, but you, the jury, get to write the end. But remember, it's not murder. And just as soon as he stood up, he sat down next to his client. The first one on the stand that day was Andrine's half-sister, who was present when Andre called Maureen to tell her his version of events a few days earlier. Next up was Carol, the BFF who started this entire investigation. Kudos to Carol. Everyone needs a friend like her. Then Andrine's mother, Maureen, testified as well. The following day, an emergency room employee testified. And this was where, for the first time, we heard that when the women arrived at 1042 Solitude Cove looking for Andrine and Andre left the house real quickly, he actually went to a nearby hospital. Andre entered the emergency room kind of quickly and asked one of the staff members if there was a patient by the name of A. McDonald there. He didn't say Andrine, he just said A. McDonald. The ER technician looked at their records and he was like, yeah, 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 she's, uh, she's back that way. And that's when Andre gave a weird look. Then he just kind of panicked and left. This interaction was caught on surveillance video. Now, this might explain why when Andre returned back to the house and met up with the cops, he felt a little sense of relief in telling them that Andrine was at the hospital. Maybe he thought this would buy him more time, but it was quite easy for the police to rule out that Andrine was at the hospital. A deputy who responded to the McDonald house also testified, a forensic tech testified, a Lowe's employee testified, and a cell phone expert testified. During the following days, multiple lay witnesses and experts testified. A man from the gun shop testified, deputies who conducted the welfare check testified, and Dreen's father testified. Some of the most damning evidence, however, was from the cell phone technician from the cell phone records. It turns out that in May 2019, while Andre was out on bail for that tampering with evidence charge, he was conducting some Google searches. I'm going to give you a list of the searches, and these were all just from May 29th, 2019. Andre McDonald searched importance of autopsy in criminal investigation, determining cause of death from skeletal remains, proving murder beyond a reasonable doubt, FBI investigation, Cases without eyewitnesses. Forensics only cases conviction rate. Murder without weapon. Bloodstains and the environment. Bloodstains sunlight. How long does it take for a body to decompose outside? How long does it take for an unburied body to decompose? Skeletal decomposition. How long do bones take to become dry and brittle? DNA profiling after six months. Does cooked meat decompose? How long does it take for bones to turn to dust? And that is just a short list of all his Google searches. So anyway, I've already described all the evidence that came out in trial during the first portion of this episode, but let's just say the evidence was overwhelming. And with that, the prosecution rested their case. And when it was the defense's turn to present their case or not, because remember, the burden is on the prosecution, the defense attorney called Andre McDonald himself to take the stand. Now, if you've been with me long enough with the show, you know how rare it is for a defendant in a murder case to testify. But Andre did. And if you listened intently during the defense's opening statement, that was just a preview of what was to come. 
Recently, I covered two unsolved cases, which I am sure caused you to pause and analyze your inner detective. Well, if you want to hone in on that inner detective, then you need to check out June's Journey. June's Journey is a mobile game that you can play anywhere while connected to Wi-Fi. June's Journey takes you through the main character, June's, adventure to uncover family secrets. Her first task is to uncover the mystery of her sister's death. You will be using your keen eye to spot hidden clues in the immersive scenes that take you across the globe. The scene is set in the 1920s, so it's like going back in time. June's Journey is a hidden object mystery game, and I love playing while waiting for my kids at the bus stop. It allows me to clear my mind from the tasks of the day and to refocus on my mommy duties. What I love about June's Journey is that not only are you searching for objects, but you can join other players online in a detective club. And then you also get to design this luxurious island estate that is all yours. And if you have friends who play, you can gift each other trees, flowers, and other amazing decorative items. Today, I invite you to escape reality and immerse yourself in the world of June Parker. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Go ahead, download June's Journey today. During Andre's testimony, he revealed that he was 10 years Andreen's senior. They knew each other from their time in Jamaica. But in 1995, Andre left Jamaica and landed in Florida. His mom had remarried and Andre gained his U.S. citizenship through his stepfather. Andre obtained a degree in electrical engineering, and that's when he joined the Air Force. In 2004, he was stationed at Fort Walton Beach in Florida, working for the Test and Evaluation Center at the Air Force Research Lab. In 2009, Andre returned to Jamaica for a funeral, and while he was in town for a month and a half, he and Andreen became close. He kept in contact with her when he returned to the States, and then at some point they were married, and Andre filed the paperwork for her to join him in the U.S. Back in Florida, Andre helped Andreen get through college, often, according to him, helping her with her homework. When they moved to Texas, Andre said that Andreen approached him with her business idea for the assisted living facility, and he was on board, and he was the money behind the business. Andreen was the brains. Andre said he didn't suspect anything wrong in his marriage. It was perfect until he went on a six-month temporary assignment in mid-2016. While he was at way at Keesler Air Force Base, he received various text messages from Andreen, basically saying that when he returned back home, not to come back to the house. Andre said he was shocked. And then upon returning to Texas, he noticed something was off. He said Andreen was often angry and she was awful and yada, yada, yada. That's when Andre filed for divorce. Andre said that it was after he filed for divorce that he noticed he wasn't properly listed on the business paperwork and Andreen was fussing about adding him. Then, according to Andre, one day when he returned to the house, Andreen called the cops claiming he hit her. On another occasion, when he returned to the house to grab his things, the door was locked. So he called the cops to assist him in retrieving his items. For several weeks, Andre stayed with a friend, but he claimed Andreen begged him to return to the house for the sake of their daughter. Eventually, Andre moved back in and things were calm until 4th of July, 2018, seven or so months before Andreen vanished. That summer, the McDonald's sent their daughter to Florida to spend the summer with grandma. Andre and Andreen drove a few hours from San Antonio to attend a friend's 4th of July party. While at the 4th of July bash, Andre noticed that Andreen got a tattoo on the inside of the arm. The tattoo surprised Andre, 
and when he saw it, it reminded him of something. You see, Andre was aware that Andrean had previously dated a man named Obi Hall in Jamaica. According to Andre, Obi was a Jamaican drug dealer and a local gang leader in Jamaica. Well, Andrean's tattoo reminded Andre of Obi. And so he snuck away, went online to look for Obi. And when he found him, he saw that he had a similar tattoo that Andrean had. Andre became irate. It appeared that Andrean may have tattooed Obi's birthday to her arm. An argument quickly ensued and the couple got into their car and drove the four and a half hours back home. Andrean drove while Andre sat in the back seat. There was arguing in the car back and forth and with about 20 minutes left on their road trip, Andre demanded, let me out of this effing car. I don't know if he said that, but he did demand to get out of the car. Andrean refused to pull over. And that's when Andre put his hands over Andrean's face and when she moved her face, Andre scratched her face with his nails. That's when Andrean pulled over and let Andre out of the car. Upon their return to the home, the situation was clearly tense for the McDonald's. Andre moved out of the master bedroom and into a spare room. That is, until December 2018, when a friend was visiting the couple and Andre moved back into the master bedroom. According to him, he did this to keep up appearances. So let's fast forward to mid-February 2019. Andre was about to turn 40 and Andrine decided to throw him a birthday bash. It wasn't anything big, but, you know, 30 or so people showed up. During his testimony, Andre said that the party was fun, but it wasn't his idea and he wasn't quite sure why Andrine threw the party to begin with. And then he said that a few days after the party, Andrine approached Andre and said, hey, listen, we should go to Jamaica in March to attend a concert. Andre claimed he wasn't really into that sort of stuff and he became suspicious. Why does she all of a sudden want me to go to Jamaica so badly? Andre told Andrine, no, I am not going to Jamaica. I'm not going to the concert. And then Andrine allegedly got upset and she moved out of the master bedroom this time, which this seems to be a norm for this couple by this point. You know, he moves out, she moves out, but they stay under the same roof. But all hell broke loose on February 28th. Andre recalled it was a normal day, nothing out of the ordinary. He got to work by 8 a.m. at the 426 Network Warfare Squadron. Sometime that day, he got a message from Andrine telling him to meet her at H&R Block to sign their tax documents. Andre arrived at the H&R Block about 10 minutes before Andrine, and so he sat there reviewing the documents. But immediately, something caught him off guard. As he was reviewing the documents, he noticed that Andrine had created a new company and named it after her daughter. But Andre had never heard about the company before. And now, according to him, he was suspicious of his wife. Why was she trying to cut him out of the business? On the witness stand, Andre told the jury, quote, immediately I knew she was stealing from me, end quote. Upon closer examination, the new LLC was created just days after the 4th of July argument in 2018. By this point, Andre was stewing. So as soon as Andrine walked into the office, Andre confronted her about the new business and they got louder and louder. And that's when Andre said they signed the tax paperwork and left. Andre headed to a gas station. Andrine headed to the pizza joint. Meanwhile, Andrine was texting Andre. 
She basically told him it doesn't matter because Texas is a community property state. And I believe she's referring to divorce. Well, at 7.45 p.m., Andre responded in a text, quote, there is absolutely no way on earth that company you formed is going to own anything. So I'm not going to even discuss this any further. If you believe I would ever trust you like that after the incident with the bank account at Broadway and after what you did last year, you must be crazy. You do not represent my interests. All you do is scheme, but I'm no fool, end quote. Andre testified that he did not return home immediately. He went to a park and just stewed. His intent was to wait it out until Andrean was sleeping. He was going to sneak into the house, go to sleep, and then file for divorce first thing in the morning. But things didn't turn out that way. And this is where Andre began to tell the story of Andrean's last minutes alive. Andre returned to the house a little after midnight. When he opened the front door, he was a little shocked to see the kitchen light on. As he moved through the first level to get to the master bedroom, he saw Andrine sitting on the couch. Andre immediately told Andrine that he'd be filing for divorce. And according to Andre, Andrine became extremely upset and she started yelling at him in another language. She told him to go suck your mother and she called him a gay slur. Andre was like, whose mom are you talking about? And Andrine was like, I'm talking about your mom. Andre testified that he remained calm as he walked into the master bedroom and he yelled back, that's cool. I'll file for divorce. I keep my job and half the business and you do you. This statement apparently really upset Andrine. So she ran into the room and got all up in Andre's face, practically nose to nose. Andre told her to get out of his face and Andrine challenged him saying, what are you going to do about it? And then he says she spit in his face. Andre testified that that's when he grabbed her head and basically headbutted her. I mean, he claims that he grabbed her head and their heads collided, which is the definition of a headbutt. But Andre's like, I don't know how that happened. OK, Andre. Anyway, after the headbutt, Andrine felt blood on her face. So she touched her face and ran into the bathroom where she turned on the light switch and looked in the mirror. Andre followed behind her to see what happened. But he says that when Andrine saw the blood, she came at him swinging punches. Andre said he didn't throw not one single punch. According to him, he was just ducking the punches and protecting his face. Then, while he was down, kind of like scrunched over, he grabbed Andrine kind of like by the shoulders and flipped her legs right from underneath her with his legs. And then when he dropped her, he kicked her a few times. Andre, on the stand, eventually settled on the fact that he kicked her twice. I repeat, twice. After the second kick, Andre heard Andrine wheezing and figured, okay, well, I knocked the wind out of her. And that's when Andre heard these little tiny footsteps. He ran into the living room and saw his almost seven-year-old autistic daughter hiding under the stairs. According to Andre, he hoisted her up and took her up the stairs where he sat with her for close to 30 minutes before returning downstairs. Andre said that he figured the cops would be waiting for him when he got downstairs because, you know, he thought Andrine was fine. She probably got to the phone and called 911. But when Andre returned downstairs, he saw Andrine just laying there. He checked her pulse and her breath, but seeing none, he panicked. Andre claimed that the entire confrontation with Andrine lasted a minute or two. 
In describing the argument, Andre was sure to mention that Andrine was a few inches taller than him and she was built strong, never missing her 5 a.m. CrossFit class. Okay, so I want to stop right here to tell you that during Andre's testimony, there was not even one aota of sympathy in his voice or his demeanor. Andre was cool as a cucumber, completely unemotional in telling about the attack and in telling how he found his wife, the mother of his child, dead. At this point in the story, Andre claims that he went outside to gather his thoughts. According to him, he kept thinking about his daughter. He thought about how he wanted to avoid this entire mess to begin with, and now he was here. Once he went inside, he says he had more clarity about the situation. This military officer then decided, yes, I must get rid of the body because no one will believe my side of the story, which is allegedly the truth. Andre then went to the garage and grabbed two large trash bags. He put Andrine's top portion of her body into one bag and then he slipped her legs into another bag. And then where the two bags met, kind of like in her tummy area, he grabbed a belt and tied it real tight. Then Andre dragged Andrine's body outside where he opened the trunk of his Chevy Malibu and threw Andrine's body. Then he got into the passenger seat and drove out to Spin Grove. It's an area he had seen before because it's like close to some soccer fields, I guess. And that's when he was there between 1.30 a.m. and 2 a.m. He pulled up next to a fence, that private property fence, remember? He took Andrine's body out of the trunk and slid her under the fence. Then he personally jumped the fence and dragged Andrine's body a few yards back, stopping when he got next to a dead cow. Andre then removed all of Andrine's clothes, threw them inside the trash bags, and he left Andrine's naked body behind. Andre immediately returned to 1042 Solitude Cove. He threw the trash bags with stuff into a plastic bucket. He also removed some of his clothes and also put it in the bucket. Then he lit the bucket on fire. But he soon realized what an idiot he was when the bucket started to melt. After this, he returned to the bathroom to clean up a little bit, which is probably where the bleach smell came from. And then he went and according to him, he cried. Andre said he hadn't been in a physical fight since he was 13 years old. And in that moment, Andre said he was sad and he felt awful because apparently they had a good life. He told the jury he questioned, why me? Why me? That night, Andre couldn't sleep at all. And in the morning when his daughter woke up, the first thing she asked was, where's mommy? He told her she was at the gym while he quickly got the child ready and put her on the school bus. Then Andre tried to keep up with the routine. He walked the dogs and then he sent Andrine a text message to cover his tracks. Upon entering the house, though, Andre realized, well, there's Andrine's phone right here inside the house. So he smashed up the phone into pieces and then put it in a trash bag. Andre got ready for work and on his way to work, he dropped off the trash bag with stuff in a construction zone bin. So Andre worked in this thing that we call the skiff, which is a secure area where people are not allowed to bring in their personal cell phones. Andre says that he put his phone in a locker and went into the skiff where he remained until around lunchtime. At lunchtime, he retrieved his cell phone from the locker, didn't turn it on yet or hadn't checked it or something like that. And then he went to Popeye's and that's when he realized that he had a ton of missed calls from Carol. He says he returned her call and she grilled him. He recalled passing them as they arrived at his house. 
Andre said he was lost and that's when he walked into the ER. Andre was shocked when the receptionist tried to walk him to some random patient. And as he exited the hospital, Andre felt trapped. His life was officially over. He eventually returned to the house and that's when he met up with the cops. Besides telling them that he got into an argument with Andrine, Andre almost immediately requested an attorney. While Andre was held, this is when Andre told the jury that he went from feeling sorry for himself to loathing his wife. He started thinking that Andrine was not only trying to cheat Andre out of his portion of the business, but Andrine was physically cheating on him with Obi. And then a light bulb went off. It occurred to Andre that Andrine was trying to set him up to be murdered in Jamaica. I'm sorry, what are you talking about, Andre? Anyhow, after hours spent making up imaginary scenarios in his head, Andre was released and he returned home. At home, Andre confessed that he went straight to the garage. He grabbed a hammer, a flashlight, some leftover gas that he used for the lawnmower and a lighter. He jumped into one of their many vehicles. This time it was Andrine's Porsche and he returned back to Andrine's body. Andre said he poured the leftover gas on Andrine's body and then lit it on fire. But apparently the fire quickly dwindled. That's when Andre grabbed the hammer and just started hitting Andrine's already dead body with it. At one point, Andre used the claw part of the hammer on Andrine's face and neck. And he recalled while he was testifying, without any remorse, by the way, that the claw got stuck in Andrine's neck and he had to pull it out of her. Andre, after he was done hitting her or he thought he was done, he stood up and began to walk away. But then he became so angry that he turned around and hit Andrine's body one more time with the hammer. Again, zero f given by this douche canoe as he told this gruesome story to a jury. Upon returning home, Andre took everything off and together with the hammer, he put it into a trash bag. The next day, Andre headed to Lowe's for his purchase, but none of those items were ever used on Andrine. Before Andre got off the stand, his attorney asked him about all those Google searches on his phone. And Andre was like, yeah, I did that to see what the case against me would look like. In recalling this being the first time talking in public, Andre said he waited for his day in court to tell his side of the story because he didn't want cops to manipulate the narrative. During cross-examination, the prosecution questioned Andre about some moments when he was aggressive towards Andrine in front of others. But Andre always had an excuse for that. Those scenarios never happened. When I tell you that watching this man testify was the most infuriating thing ever, I mean it. I mean, listen, I sympathize with portions of the story, but what I cannot get past is how he thinks that all it takes to kill someone are two kicks to the body. It just doesn't add up. So with this evidence in hand, the jury now had an excruciatingly difficult task ahead. Do they convict Andre McDonald of first-degree murder or something else? Would the jury believe that he accidentally caused Andrine's death by dropping her to the ground and swiftly kicking her two times? Well, the jury took all the evidence and they deliberated for 11 hours. And then at approximately 2 p.m. on a Friday, they sent a note to the judge telling Judge Frank Castro, hey, listen, judge, we just cannot come to an agreement. 
The judge brought the jury into the courtroom where, over the defense's objection and motion for a mistrial, Judge Castro read the jury the Allen charge. An Allen charge encourages the jury to keep deliberating until they reach a decision. This charge is given in an effort to avoid a hung jury. With that instruction, the jury continued their deliberations as instructed, and then they reached a verdict. Andre McDonald and his defense team stood at the defense table as the verdict was read. Of the charge of murder, not guilty. Of the charge of manslaughter, guilty. And with that, Andrean's family and the prosecutors were shocked. How could this be? Andre was swiftly taken into custody because Judge Castro revoked his bail. But Andre's smile now bigger than ever. Maybe because it really was an accident. Or maybe because he got away with murder. The following week, Andre stood in front of Judge Castro to await his sentence. But before a sentence could be handed down, the judge gave Andrean's family and friends an opportunity to tell him about the impact of Andrean's loss. A lot of people often overlook the sentencing phase of trials, but in most cases, it truly is the most important part of a family's healing journey, an opportunity to confront the monster that has caused so much pain and suffering, suffering that truly will never go away when a loved one is lost. Andreen was only 29 years old when she lost her life, 29 years old. Let that sink in. She was literally just starting to live her life. While divorce is difficult in and of itself, I get it, she lost her life at her husband's hands. Even if she was trying to cut him out of the business, they could have easily duked it out in court. Andrean's sister, Cindy Johnson, spoke to Andre, and she focused on how he stole his daughter's mother. Cindy said that she holds her niece even closer now than before because she's the closest thing they have to Andrean. Andrean's father, Paul Anderson, appeared in court, and he rebuked Andre for taking away his daughter. He said he entrusted his daughter in his hands when they got married. And while they were married, they all enjoyed each other's company. Paul said that he accepted Andre as his son. And now, Paul not only lost his daughter, but he feels like he also lost his son. Paul urged Andre to not attempt to get vengeance on any of Andrean's family for the fact that he would be sitting in jail for a very long time. And then Paul said the most amazing words. He said, quote, I want you to know that in spite of everything, I forgive you, end quote. He then proceeded to tell Andre that he still loved him and it was now up to him to get God's forgiveness for what he has done. A victim advocate read Andre's daughter's impact statement. It read, to Andre McDonald, you killed my mother, you took away my life and you broke my heart and you hurt my feelings and you will pay for what you did and you will be punished forever. After hearing from everyone, Judge Castro had the following to say to Andre. In not too many words, Judge Castro was like, you are a lucky mofo and your attorneys busted their asses to get you acquitted of murder. I mean, Judge Castro was very professional, but I got you, boo. I know what you meant to say. Andre McDonald is a lucky mother. He's a murderer and we know it. Judge Castro was like, I took everything into account. The lack of criminal history, the fact that you're a major in the Air Force, and the fact that you believed that Andrine was plotting to kill you over money and the affair. Judge Castro was like, I understand your anger, but Andre didn't have a right to take a life. 
Judge Castro also told Andre that he could see some of his temperament come through while he testified. In fact, the judge pointed out how confrontational Andre became during objections, which is quite funny because, listen, I didn't mention this earlier, but while Andre was testifying, the prosecution at one point, they objected to hearsay. They said objection hearsay. And no kidding, Andre's dumbass was like, no, that's not hearsay. And he was about to mouth off when Judge Castro cut him off and was like, stop. That's funny. In describing some of the aggravating parts of Andre's actions, the judge was like, it's sad that your daughter walked in on at least a portion of Andrine's death. The judge was upset that Andre covered Andrine's body with the nearby cow carcass. And then to add insult to injury, Andre desecrated Andrine's body by burning and then hammering her. And then the judge, no kidding, was like, your actions almost match up with what you would expect of a serial killer. It doesn't match up to your military career. It doesn't fly with your background. And I have a message for Judge Castro. You got to listen to military murder, sir, because, yup, what you're saying makes sense. But at the same time, well, I guess you'll have to just listen because I'm three years in and I feel you, sir. Every time I'm like, I cannot believe I am telling this story. Judge Castro was also quick to point out that Andre didn't show any, I mean, any remorse or emotions at all throughout the trial. He was like, I was watching you and you had a constant smirk on your face. At the beginning of the trial during breaks, the deputies observed that Andre was often on his cell phone just messing around, like almost like he didn't realize he was sitting in his own murder trial. I hate to keep harping on this, but Judge Castro made one observation that was truly shocking. He said that throughout the trial, the only time he noticed Andre truly being attentive during the trial was when the prosecution put up a picture of Andrine's bones up on the screen. The judge said that this was truly disturbing to him. And with that, he sentenced Andre McDonald to the maximum allowable time for manslaughter, 20 years. According to reporting by Fox San Antonio, when you take into account the time that Andre has already served, he will be eligible for parole in seven years. After the sentence, one of Andrine's cousins had the following to say to the media, quote, Andre McDonald has held a lot of people hostage, paralyzed for a very long time, and we could not move forward. Today, we can move forward to the next phase of grieving, end quote. A week later, KSAT reported that Andre McDonald accepted a plea deal for the tampering with evidence charge, and he was sentenced to five years for that charge. That five years will be stacked on top of the 20-year sentence. And that, my friends, brought to an end Andre's time in court, at least minus any appeals that he and his team intend to file. And well, the case should have ended there. But then my amazing listeners informed me that the apple does not fall far from the tree because in a twisted tale of like father like son, Andre McDonald's father is being held in Jamaica on charges of murdering his, get this, first two wives. Yup, you heard me correctly. WTF. As reported by KSAT, just days after Andre was sentenced, his father, Everton McDonald, who had a nickname Beachy Stout, was 60 years old and he was facing charges. So this is the skinny. Everton's second wife, 33-year-old Tanya Hamilton McDonald, she was found dead on the side of the road in Port Antonio in July of 2020. 
Her throat had been slashed and she was found near her burnt out vehicle. So Everton was arrested the following month for Tanya's murder. But there were also two co-conspirators involved. One man, Devlin Minot, he ended up pleading guilty three months after Tanya's murder and he was sentenced to 19 years. Everton and another man named Astor Barnes are currently pending trials. But after Everton was arrested for Tanya's murder, the cold case murder of his first wife, 50-year-old Melene McDonald, that case was reopened. Melene was shot dead outside her home in May of 2009. Everton was charged with her murder in February of 2021. So listen, this is what the Jamaican authorities believe happened. For Melene's murder back in 2009, they believe that Everton paid a police detective, I repeat, he paid a police detective to kill Melene two years after she moved out of the marital home. For Tanya's murder, authorities allege that Everton offered someone $3 million to kill his second wife, which that's a lot of money. I mean, does he have $3 million? Would he actually pay all the insurance money to someone? Like, that don't make no sense. But anyway, what happened when Everton paid or agreed to pay someone to kill his second wife? Well, Everton told the would-be murderer that he wanted her to be murdered with a knife because he didn't want his second and first wife to die in the same manner. You know, he was afraid he'd come under suspicion. But things got a little wonky when the would-be assassin subcontracted out the murder. Anyway, as reported by the Law and Crime Network, Everton is next scheduled to appear in court in January of 2024 for his first wife's murder. The trial for his second wife is set to begin in September. As for Andre, as it stands, he is still a member of the United States Air Force. I am sure that the Air Force is scrambling to discharge Andre now that his civilian trial is over. True Crime Army, join me this Wednesday where I will go live on Instagram at Military Murder Podcast to discuss this case and any other cases that you would like to discuss. I'll be there 8 p.m. Central Time on Wednesday. It feels like I've been a little distant lately because I'm going through some life stuff, but I want to make sure to make time for all of you. So please, please, please join me 8 p.m. Central. My sources for this episode were actual courtroom testimony, press releases from the Bear County District Attorney's Office, and news reports from Fox 29, San Antonio Express News, Ken's 5, KSAT, News 4 San Antonio, The Associated Press, Jamaica Gleaner, My San Antonio, Law and Crime Network, and Excelsior Community College alum Spotlight. A huge shout out to Leah D from the Least of These podcasts for also raising awareness on Andrine's case before it went to trial. Make sure you check out her podcast called Least of These. This episode was researched in part by Haley Gray Research, executive produced by Jen, Tina, Alicia, Bob, Falcon 13, and Nicole. Our newest associate producers are May and Cody. Our newest assistant producers are Taryn, Don, and Bechtilda. The theme music was created by Tyops. Until next time, remember, you never really know what someone is capable of, so remain vigilant always. You have a fabulous week, and I'll keep digging to bring you another military murder story next time. Mama's working on her podcast. I don't want to.